Alrighty, Greg. So we are back with another episode of Funny Book Forensics, and we are on to issue six of Exit Stage Left, the Snagglepuss Chronicles. Snagglepuss is literally exiting stage left. Yeah, or just out of the building. Oh, yeah. I mean, it is the last one, so he would be exiting, and I would assume because he's Snagglepuss, exiting stage left. Yeah, it doesn't seem real happy. <sighs> Not on the cover, no. I mean, solemn. Solemn, yeah. I do like his scarf. Yes. I want that scarf, actually. It's pretty cool. I'm oh, I'm looking to... at the, I was looking at the, uh, the, wrong, the wrong cover. I apologize. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, that one. You were looking at the alt cover, which is also great. He is being about to be pulled stage left after he bows. Yes. So. I do think the front cover scarf is a little bit more epic, though. It is. And actually, that that rain drop effect and yeah. the way that it's kind of water, um, watercolor look, it does it. It's like an apparition feel. I don't know. It's almost got a ghostly. Yeah, ghostly feel to it. Just the way that the, the edges have that kind of weird whitening to it and everything. It is really cool. Yeah. I, I assume this is all like Photoshop effects now, right? Maybe or maybe not. I mean, I, I work with different artists that still do um, pen to paper, uh, you know, pencil to watercolor. paper and stuff like that and watercolor um, on their on their stuff. And uh, they do a lot of, uh, I would say, non-digital technique. And then they might they might do some stuff in digital work, but you never know. I mean, only the artist knows. I don't know. So, yeah, I saw watercolor. I almost I almost feel like Zipatone has shown up on that cover. Zipatone. Which would be really old school. Oh, that'd um, be super cool. But yeah, we're getting into it. And obviously, yeah, the other cover is beautiful. Oh, They're both beautiful. They're, All the art's beautiful. They, yeah, both, both covers. I mean... Uh, applesauce, 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 and rose petals. I mean, applause, applause, applause. Yeah. Because they're just so good. Well, Greg, uh, we're going to get into this, and how's right. your history? You ready? Ready for history to come back in these episodes? We've been two issues without much history. Yeah, let's bring that history. Well, we are at uh, 1959, and we're at a Moscow trade fair. Okay. And we've got Nixon and Khrushchev walking around. Oh, Mr. Nixon. And uh, impeach president. Yeah. Have you heard of the kitchen debate? <laughs> the, no, I have not. What's the kitchen debate? Oh, well, the kitchen debate was a debate between Khrushchev and Nixon, where they walked around a trade show in a kitchen and argued about whether or not the Soviet Union was better than the United States. Oh, and, we and who get, won? Uh, uh, well, I believe both sides think they won. Uh, we all won, though, because yeah. uh, Nixon coming out of the communist, uh, uh, out of McCarthyism, and Nixon was definitely a McCarthy supporter, uh, got to rebuild himself as a politician with the kitchen debate. Oh. And... Uh, we all were winners because, of course, he lost to Kennedy. Mm -hmm. uh, but 
uh, he later became president. And that's how I say we're all winners because we got Richard Nixon as president. Oh, we, we won. Sure. Okay. Nixon was a great president. I mean, he took us off the gold standard, opened (laughs) up trade with China. He was impeached maybe, um, only once though. Only Uh, once. He, 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 he continued Vietnam. Um, he, and, and of course, you know, that whole, you know, opening up trade with China has had no impact historically on us at all. No, not at all. You know, who'd have been a better president? Perez. 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 (laughs) I think Perez was trying to beat Nixon, but that was too far in the future. Too far in the future. My dog Uh, would have been a better president. She's definitely more stoic. (laughs) <laughs> true true uh wow anyway yeah the kitchen debates uh yeah. if and, and if folks are at all interested look it up it was a fascinating time and especially a time for vice president uh richard nixon to rebuild himself right because he needed new issues um mm-hmm. because he couldn't strike out against the communist insurgents in the united states so you know what do you do you go after the communists themselves yeah in other in other countries and setting up shadow governments in in other places if you can't get them, if you can't get them in the the big country of Russia, go get them in the smaller countries. Yeah. Well, admittedly, any all the presidents at those times were yeah. well. I shouldn't say all, but I mean Kennedy, obviously, Bay of Pigs, and mm-hmm. you know, small things, and and, yeah. and and Johnson. That whole Vietnam thing worked out real well. Um, yeah. So anyway, well, we get back and, and we get uh, some flashbacks uh, in every nation. People line up for American plays and movies. We got The Heart is a Kennel of Thieves uh, in one theater. So clearly SP's work is lived on if SP hasn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we get, you know, American jazz and rock. And of course, this is Nixon making the argument. Uh, and Khrushchev says, well, your system is a sham. Uh, that takes credit for the very things it tries to destroy. You worship the music of people who can't even drink for the same fountain as you. You celebrate the achievements of writers even as you blacklist them. Capitalism doesn't make you creative. It just makes you better at commodifying your victims. Truth bomb. And Nixon blows it off. Well, it's not like that, Nikki. Really, you should come see our country for yourself. Meet some real Americans. And he accepts the invitation. And I love it. The next line, make arrangements. And damn it, we better get one of those rotating chicken things. (laughs) Yeah. You know, a side note, though, I mean, like, okay, so they they show this, they show this crazy, like, you know, the, the kitchen of the future. It wasn't until like, I'd say like the nineties or something like that. I think my dad saw like the rotisserie chicken that you could like the, the chicken rotisserie. Set it and forget it. Well, the, the one that you, yeah, maybe I, he bought it at the, at the fair. Ronco said it and forget it. Yeah. He was so, Ronco so excited. Peel. We, uh, we, we had that thing on our counter and used it five times, I think. Um, and, uh, it was so hard to clean. I don't know, man. I just like. It just, it was, it was a, it was a great thing and also a terrible thing at the same time. I think, um, 
People well, just wanted those chickens. <laughs> well, little do you know, I bought one of them used because <laughs> oh. I'm smart and didn't buy one new, and I used it all the time. Um, well, I would say I probably only use it a couple times a year now, but I've I've used it to the point where the part of the bottom is broken, like part of the plastic on the bottom, and the little tongs are bent a little bit. I've got to like force them into that end piece, you know, where it spins <laughs> around. Yeah, I actually love that thing. Um, I, it makes really good food. I I think I would have liked it. I, more if I wasn't working at the Fred Meyer Deli, working in the and and rotisserieing like twenty chickens a day. That's fair. And then having to come home and cook the chicken for my parents and clean that damn thing. So I mean, you 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 take a kid and you give him you you give him the task of of making the chicken at home when he's made twenty chickens already at work. It's not fun anymore. <laughs> so. Yeah, I don't know. My, my parents probably used it after I moved out of the house. But I mean, I remember five times we used it. No, that's fair. Um, I would continue to comment on this and how I never made it into the deli and you did immediately at Fred Meyer. But uh, and by choice, mind you, I didn't want to work in the deli. <laughs> uh, but uh, I did work in the deli one day. The deli ladies had me run the front counter for them because they loved me. And they used to always give me extra when I would check out when I was working at Fred Meyer. Uh, the deli ladies. I mean, that was like one of the, the 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 nice parts of the job that I liked was the the people. The people definitely keep you in a job sometimes. And not to digress too much from the comic, but I mean, I think anybody, anyone can agree. It's always the people. It's definitely not the place sometimes because. No, that's for sure. <laughs> both of us working uh, in, in grocery for a majority of our high school and college years, we, we can attest. It was, um, it was tough. It was fun times, but, fun times. uh, we do get, uh, another fun place a nursing home. Hey, uh, those are always fun. We've yeah. said this before, especially now. Uh, yeah. no, so, quadruple masking. So yes. we've got, uh, uh, we're in and it looks like uh, whoever that man was that's been talking to Snagglepuss has regressed a little bit. Snagglepuss, mm -hmm. right, walks in and he says, who are you? And he's trying to open a piece of candy. And he says, uh, the playwright, remember? Oh, Mr. Lion, uh, you used to have a wife. What'd you do with her? We divorced five years ago. Great. And he says, send her my congratulations. <laughs> And he says, I used to think a good woman would set my boy right, which. Wow. OK. Yeah. That's a um, loaded statement. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> whew. Yeah. These lines, they're good, mm -hmm. but sometimes they hit me unexpectedly. So, yeah, we just pause there for a second. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, it was interesting, a quick aside, um, mm -hmm. <laughs> it's just interesting, it's like hopes of the oh, Biden administration, right? I saw okay. one was, you know, uh, just to that line directly, right? Like, can we finally have a, a ban on gay conversion therapy in the United States? Yeah. Like, please, please. Yeah. Because it's a good it, woman doesn't just like, you know, make you ungay. Oh, and you, you can't you can't put somebody into a, a class or some sort of therapy to make them think different. 
or feel different because that does not work. Yeah. <laughs> and <Now> it- <laughs> making them believe that, uh, like you just said, you know, finding a good woman or a good man, it's not, it, it's, it's, uh, not a thing. It doesn't, doesn't do it. Of course, it's interesting here. We get a little bit of a turn in the character I, as he's trying to remember his life, but he says, it's, but it's my biggest regret, the loss of my son, getting him married in a respectable line of work. It all seems so important at the time, but what could be more important than a son? I wake up every morning, wonder if I ruined his life as badly as I ruined my own. And it's too late to do anything, but admit the truth. I'm a fool. Hmm. And both Snagglepuss and his dad regret what happened. (laughs) And they move on. It's a powerful page. And then we get Snagglepuss walking. (laughs) Well, last episode we said we wondered if the falling action would be uplifting. Uh, (laughs) No, the falling action just keeps... Going underground. <laughs> well, we get uh, we get a page and we get uh, uh, credits. Mark Russell Ryder, Mike Fien Pensler, Sean Parsons Inker. Thank you all so much for the journey. And Ben Caldwell on all the covers. Uh, been really great. Uh, all right. So we had Snagglepuss walking through New York there. Got a big picture of some like it hot in the background and he doesn't look too happy greg no he does not he's a he is a different snagglepuss than what we started with he looks very frail yeah he's um he's definitely not the um man about town he's more of the man around town yeah, and even like and the nails in his uh, feet and everything, or he he was so well groomed and everything. Mm-hmm. It looks like he's still kind of trying, but yeah, he looks like a guy who lost everything. Yeah, he's kind of downtrodden. Well, we uh, get in and there he is walking across a bunch of TVs there um, with, you know, Marilyn Monroe living her truth uh, by marrying Arthur Miller and divorcing (laughs) Joe DiMaggio. Yeah. And then we get those weird characters from issue one. Issue one, people coming back. And it was Alice and uh, what was the guy's name? Uh, you know, his name escapes me, but that's because I, they, they just, they frighten me. That's okay. Yeah, they, they are, do frighten me because they watched well, executions and stuff. They were excited about it. And, and they have their child with them. Yeah, who wants to get her picture taken with the communist. And uh, he as politely as possible, excuses himself because he's supposed to meet with somebody else. Yep. And back to get Augie Doggy. Yeah. He and he's looking pretty dapper, nice looking suit. So he's doing well for himself. 
and uh, his book selling a lot. A lot. And he says, I still can't believe they blacklisted you. I kept imagining they'd fail. Their country would come to its senses. I guess like most writers, I was seduced by my need for a happy ending. And just as a side note, <laughs> since we have Augie Doggy, yeah. uh, one, uh, the place I'm currently staying at, uh, not that everybody needs to know my business, but my house was flooded. It's being repaired. Super exciting. Staying in another place. And they have a dog named Augie. So his <laughs> name is spelled O-G-G-I-E for some reason, because I would always, if I was going to name my dog Augie, it would be Augie Doggy. Yeah, and, that makes sense. And Doggy Daddy, which, you know... <laughs> <laughs> I don't even want to laugh about the context of the story. So we will go ahead and continue. <laughs> I'm sorry, but I am now I'm just so many questions, but I don't need answers. Well, those were the characters, right? Oggy yes. Doggy and Doggy Daddy, right? Yeah. 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 Oh. <laughs> now I'm seeing a whole different scene in my head. It is different now, isn't it? It's so different. Wow. So anyway, different music in my head too. They're having a, a a moment here, talking about the universe and Huckleberry and um notes that they'll face the truth together, mm -hmm. and they move on. So Augie says goodbye to SP. And then we keep going. It looks like that uh, Lila gets remarried. Awesome. And yeah. he's opening his TV dinners because now he's given up all hope, just like his friend. Do you think he saved all of Huckleberry Hound's TV dinners? I don't know. It's really weird, though. He comes in with some really nice looking groceries and then makes a TV dinner. You know, though, that is I, I will tell you, um, going through bouts of depression myself. And I since we're open and honest on the podcast about things, I mean, uh, mental health is an important thing. Depression is a thing that people deal with and work through. Um, you can go shopping and buy the best food and be excited about taking it home and cooking it. But sometimes you just look at it and you're like, it's going to take too much time to press, to prep, to process, to cook, to, to do the dishes afterwards. And it just, the, it starts spiraling you. Yeah. And the only thing that makes sense is just heating up a TV dinner, a frozen burrito or eating a bag of chips. And, you know, sometimes it's the, the, the dumb comfort of knowing that you don't have to deal with the rest of it. And I can empathize with, with SP at this point because he's going through so much other stuff, regardless if, if he had all those groceries and he could have made that meal, maybe that TV dinner was his, his, his moment of like, F it, I'm going to eat this thing because it's easy and it's going to make me feel better right now. Right. Though it won't. And of course we all know that and that's the, that's, but that's the trap, right? Yeah, that is the trap. Damn it. Are you telling me to get rid of the TV dinners I have? Uh, well, we're talking from a health standpoint. <laughs> yes. 
Well, good thing I don't have any. Well, there you go. And get rid of those uh, frozen lasagnas. Uh, well, so, I can't. I'm trying to. Nobody will take them. Nobody will take them. And I can't cook them for my coworkers at work because we don't go to the office anymore. I know. This thing gets uh, hilarious. So sad. Well, <laughs> too S- many. SP's at home and he gets a knock, 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 rap, rap on the door. And it's. <gasps> An old friend? No. No. <laughs> no. No. Uh, Quick Draw McGraw shows up. Not a character I thought we'd see again. No, I did not. I did not. Honestly, did not expect him. Not at all. This was not an absolute uh, surprise. Yes. Also, why does Quick Draw have fingers where his hoof should be? Oh, this has bothered me through the whole entire book, but well, I understand. He it's hard needs to grab that. a beer, you know. It's hard but, to grab a beer, and he needs it for his quick draw. Yep. He's got. <laughs> Sorry. So, you know, he tells his story. He was weak, and then uh, he betrayed the man he loved for nothing. Uh, he was busted a couple years later. He lost his badge anyway. Now he's remorseful because it's hindsight. As mm-hmm. it's in, I was thinking when I read the exact same thing that SP says in the story. I actually said that before I even read the bubble. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so we're we're looking at it. Uh, but Quick Draw has some has had some ideas. He changed his life, and. He said, originally chose my fear over my love, and it was the worst mistake of my life, but I'm working again. And he says, where? No force would hire some someone like something like that on their, with something like that on their record, and now he's working in cartoons. That's a change. That's a big pivot. Yeah. And of course, uh, we know how, <laughs> we know how SP views television. Yeah. He <laughs> so. does not hold it in high regards at all. <laughs> Cartoons seem even worse. He says a rising tide lifts all boats. Um, uh, he says, and of course, you know, Quick Draw says, all you need is a silly catchphrase. Like exit stage left. Or heavens to Mercatroyd. And uh, SP says, I'm a writer. I don't want to work on some stupid cartoon. He says, it's only, st-, Quick Draw says, it's only stupid if that's what you make of it. Anyway change your mind and give me a call. And we're getting really meta here too, because not just the cartoons, but the comic book medium mm-hmm. and a lot. So we're getting a little meta, uh, going into the end of the story. And yeah. then. SP goes and picks up a letter. To God or whomever. And it was the letter that Huckleberry wrote, uh, when he died and he sits down to read it. It is a deep letter. I'm not going to read the whole letter to everybody. I'll just read a couple passages. Um, one line, he says, I suppose if I could hope for a heaven, it would be a grand celestial waiting room collecting the dead until all until the end of days. And he goes through leading this letter and there's a lot of that beautiful prose uh, throughout Mm -hmm. and the art switches from scene to scene kind of back and forth between the letter and then the people impacted by the letter, which of course are our quick draw on SP. 
at the end, he says, alas, that's all I have to say that. And please look after Huck Jr. Life is hard as a fatherless pup. Exit stage left using SP's own line in a writing to him, Huckleberry Hound. Oh, man. It got me again, dude. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, there's a reason I'm not reading the whole letter. I know, I because it would be. I couldn't make it through the whole letter. I couldn't either. I was going to offer to read some of it, but I know I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. And that's that's good writing when you've got fictional characters, prose, but it hits you so hard because it's real. Right. And then the next, the flip the page and you get the ring on the door and you get the line. You finally get the line. Oh, heavens to Murgatroyd, what now? And he finds out that his father passed last night. And we finally get the picture of his dad and his mom and him as a kid. And he tells the nurse his name was Scotty. Scotty Puss before it was Snagglepuss. So he had a stage name. And then he finds Squidly Diddley back playing <laughs> at the nursing home. Back there playing at the nursing home again. Yeah. And they try to talk for a minute. And uh, they, <laughs> that's the, one of the lighter lines of the last issue is this old man comes up to him and says, I killed Squid during the Great War, you know? Uh, it. It's it's always interesting. You hear stuff. I mean, I uh, just knowing from uh, being in nursing homes uh, uh, for for different things throughout my life, uh, you always hear things like that, and it's you don't know how to take it sometimes, right? <laughs> like right. when when people say things like that, you just don't. Do you laugh? Do you engage them? Do you do you want more of a story, or do you just walk away? <laughs> So we go back to Stonewall on the next page. That's where Snagglepuss goes after retrieving the remains of his father, as he says. And we find the bartender now sporting an eye patch from the raid. And I assume other raids that happened at Stonewall as well. So oh, yeah. We just saw one, but it was not the only one. I'm sure it continued. And Snagglepuss acknowledges he's so poor now he can't even afford to bury his father. He says Huckleberry's dead and it's all for nothing. Uh, But the bartender reminds him it wasn't for nothing. And he notes that in just the last few years, the checkerboard opened for business. So did the stink pit and eaves. The raid didn't scare people away from the stone wall. It proved that such places were possible. You didn't fight the system to win SP. You fought to show it can be done. Another powerful page. <laughs> They're going to keep staying powerful, I think. <laughs> so Premier Khrushchev will become the first Soviet leader to visit the United States. We get that going <laughs> on in the background. And then SP looks up uh, after talking with the bartender and he sees some Cuban revolutionaries and there's Pablo. Sporting a very attractive uh, beard. Yeah. And stylish cap. So now we see where Pablo ended up and then we flip the page and we've got a bus of dignitaries in a freaking cornfield in Iowa. And there Nixon and Khrushchev are wandering around Iowa. 
and uh, the farmer's quite pissed off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, what What are you doing here? Why? And uh, he actually throws corn and hits Khrushchev. <laughs> and Khrushchev asks if he should throw corn now, too. It's an honest question. Maybe it's an American tradition. Who knows at this point? It's the old I do like on. the fact that Nixon and Khrushchev are playing background comedy for us, though. So Yeah, I mean... If you can't get your laughs <laughs> one way, you got to get them somewhere. So Snagglepuss needs some money. So he calls up quick draw and he says he'll come help with the cartoon. And they get in and they're going to call him Snaggletooth instead of Snagglepuss. They paint him orange. <laughs> he looks thrilled. He very thrilled. He looks so happy. He says, if this works, you'll not only be quick draw says, if this works, you'll not only be a star again, but the Hollywood blacklist will be dead. We do have a deal. Yes. And so he has one condition. He's got to take after the pup. So he introduces Huck Jr. To quick draw. And Quick Draw's look on his face is not matching his words. <laughs> so no. he says, well, this is it, boys. This time next week, millions of Americans will be watching you on TV. If you want to come up with a stage name, now is the time. And but his face looks petrified. Yeah. Especially when Huck Jr. says Huckleberry Hound is good enough for me. And then we flip the page and we get the final scene here. Uh, he says, thanks. I've never imagined starring in my own cartoon. He says, cartoon characters are not. We're still storytellers. Life may be too chaotic. And then it flips to the corn throwing scene. <laughs> uh, and observe to expect happy endings. We get Pablo writing a letter to Snagglepuss, famous playwright in New York City. Uh, but as resilient people and determined to live, we can salvage what we can. And then they're looking at uh, his dad's grave and Huckleberry Hound's grave right next to each other. And he said, and that's the closest thing. A clo that's as close to a happy ending as I need. And in 1959, Snagglepuss made his debut on the Quick Draw McGraw cartoon special. The show was a success and Snagglepuss began starring in his own cartoons in honor of his dead father. Huck Jr. always performed under the name Huckleberry Hound. Both had long careers in cartoons, as did many of their friends. The end. Mm. <sighs> Such a good book series. <laughs> right? I mean, when you end with it was so good. <laughs> I mean, it's it's just that the I mean, it's not I it does everything. It it does everything. And I think that's what makes it so good. Yeah, and I think, you know, you're talking, I don't even know what I'm saying, I think. It's great storytelling, and you get a clear story arc. Mm -hmm. And, you know, sometimes I miss that, right? Like, I think, I, I was poking a little bit about at Scott Snyder uh, a couple of, of episodes ago. 
yeah. uh, when I saw one of the ads. And it's not that I'm poking at Scott Snyder, but I, I like Scott Snyder. I like some of his writing, some of it I don't care for. But sometimes I think he complicates things so much yeah. uh, that it, or he just leaves pieces of the story out in lieu of action that it's hard to follow the story. Right. And, and I know you were saying a couple episodes ago that action writing is a little bit different uh, than what we're reading now. Right. So they can yeah, really but, tell a story. But if you're telling a story that has action and it needs a narrative for you to follow, then you need to you need to provide that narrative. And if you don't do that, then you're you're leaving a giant chunk of stuff on the table for someone to to have to create and if you don't give them the tools to create it then it 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 falls flat right so i think i i think i can agree with you on that that if you're reading something that doesn't feel like it's fully fully cooked in some places and uh it's like when you got french toast you know you got french toast you cut that thing open and it's kind of eggy in the middle yeah it's not it's it's Nobody likes that. You you gotta you gotta put it back on the pan, heat up the pan again, cook it a little bit more. And if you have to do that yourself, if if you go to a restaurant, you're expecting good cooked French toast, right? And especially you know if you're paying for it. So right. if if you get a book and the story isn't what you're expecting because it's only a portion of it there then it's going to be frustrating. I think this story gives you all that. It's it's fully cooked. It gives you a dessert. It's and and even it ends with a chaser. Yeah, I don't I don't disagree with you at all. I think the uh when you're looking at you get the whole story. If I was mapping the story out, it'd be easy to map in a classical literature form, right? I'd be able to tell you where everything ends and begins in the story and even the subplots, right? And how they interact. So, and then I, the way he takes a topic, right? And he weaves the characters into the topic, right? <laughs> if you would have told me, you would have pitched this to me, Greg, and said, hey, Dan, I've got this great idea. Hey, what, Greg? Oh, I'm going to write a McCarthy story with Snagglepuss. Mm -hmm. I would have thought you were insane. Yeah, because it, it just doesn't seem like it, it works. But this totally works. And it and it hits so many other notes and brings so much stuff to the forefront for people who who might not even know all these other portions of history. And and it brings all these other feels to the surface for people. And lets you get wrapped up in it and, and lets you become emotionally invested and involved in in the story that is going on with Snagglepuss and Huckleberry Hound. And, and, he, and even some more of the meta parts, right? So in issue three, he notes Arthur Miller and the Crucible. Yeah. And specifically notes, hey, the Crucible is a story and they have to write the Crucible because they can't write about McCarthy. Yeah. So he writes the Crucible and so you can't write about Trump. So you write a story during McCarthy that mimics what's going on now. Yeah. And then you put that story out there and, uh, you know, and then you see the parallels between what's going on now and people are reading history, mm -hmm. which is amazing. Yeah. But they're also reading now. And I yeah. think that makes some good storytelling, too, because it's super easy to see 
what's going on historically mm-hmm. um, in these stories and what's going on now. And if you don't read history, you can't prepare for the future. And I, I joke, I joke with friends sometimes like, you know, Oh, you know, we're, we're moving into the twenties and the, the, the twenties were, were like this, um, back in the, the roaring twenties, you know, we had this, this, and this, and, but then there was this. And then after that, there was this, and, and it, it, it could be pretty hairy and terrible. We don't want to go too, too far back. We don't want to, you know, repeat things, but that's why you look back so that you don't. And that's why you move forward and you, bring things forward that, that, you know, ideal ideas and, and you move forward with things that, that are good and you prepare for those things and steal yourself against it. Yeah. And it's, uh, I think too, like for me, uh, reading history, the parts between the wars were always more interesting to me. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting because I mean, I may have to check my dates, but I feel like the entirety of the story. um, Yeah. The entirety of the story happens basically, I guess it'd be the tail end of the Korean war, right? Yeah. And then, uh, between Korea and the Korean war and the Vietnam and Vietnam. Mm-hmm. And so times between wars and how we react in those times have always been more interesting to me than reading about the wars themselves. Oh, well, I mean, it, it, if you, if you look at, if you look at this as a history lesson and you see what you based off of what you just said, I mean, one as a nation and two as just people in general uh, in any historical moment, when there's not something going on where you're fighting against someone else, you're fighting against yourself. And we can see, I mean, if anything last year, uh, not to get too, too much, but I mean, we could see that that was definitely a situation of that. Right. Right. And, and it's, it's, it's one of those things where we are, we're in a very unique place to, to, live through it and see it, but also to be able to look back and, and see what and how to not be it. Well, and even looking at like looking back to when you have uh, Eisenhower uh, sitting back and sort of letting this happen, right. Mm-hmm. And you have his vice president, Richard Nixon actively involved and, you know, then we switch right in, I think even paralleling to now, I'm not saying I think Joe Biden will necessarily make these mistakes, uh, but you had one leader who openly did some terrible things, right? Mm-hmm. And then, you know, in the Eisenhower Nixon case, right? Like, you know, we end the Korean War, we come back home, uh, we're doing some things, but then immediately, like, Kennedy falls into some of the exact same traps, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the Bay of Pigs, uh, early Vietnam a lot of the subterfuge overseas, right? Trying to control the Americas, like very similar policies thread through both, at least from an international uh, perspective, except uh, it looked better when Kennedy did it. Because <laughs> he was doing it for a better reason. <laughs> well, and he wasn't Nixon, right? Yeah. And so people loved Eisenhower. Hey, we didn't, we didn't elect Nixon. We didn't elect the jerk, but we elected this guy. 
Well, you know, it's interesting because too, you know, you can sort of be um, tricked into relaxing, right? Mm -hmm. And letting up on the government. And I'm not saying everybody should go out and be an activist or, but, you know, you have to be careful. Like all the folks that were protesting things that Trump did uh, because, you know, and protesting the inherent discrimination in the administration and the inherent discrimination in the world and systemic racism and all of those things. Well, it's almost like there's been a sigh of relief, like our hero, our savior is here, Mm -hmm. but systemic racism still exists. Yeah, it didn't go away on the 20th and it, and it definitely needs to be, you got to continue the work that that you're doing. And if you don't, then what was all the work that you did for? So, I mean, we as people need to continue putting our, our best foot forward and continue doing the work. But at the same time, what the story tells us, right, when uh, Quick Draw comes back in, and uh, when he meets with Augie Doggy in the last issue, uh, you know, telling us, well, but they're also because of the things he did, there was a light at the end of the tunnel, right? Because mm-hmm. of the things Snagglepuss did, it left a room for art to grow. It left a room for the cartoons to exist. It left room for writers to exist, right? And of course, he goes back to the bar and we find out that, well, you know, because people knew that you could be gay in public, then all of these bars sprung up. Right. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's that, I think you should have that relaxation a little bit, right. When the change happens, but also you have to push for, you know, against the bad, but also celebrate the good. And I think that's a a balance. There's a balance there somewhere. And Mm -hmm. I think the story does a really good job of presenting that balance. Definitely. And, and it, it, acknowledging those spaces that are there and, and realizing that they're accessible. So great story. And, uh, uh, do you have anything here to finish up with on issue six? No, but if, I mean, if you've been following along and you haven't been reading this and you're just following along because it's something fun to listen to and, and you're like, Oh, Hey, this is a really good, this is an interesting take on, on this book series. And maybe I'll pick it up. If you haven't picked it up by now, uh, you need to go read this and check it out and, and check out some of the other stuff that this the, the creative team that worked on this did because uh, the, the writing and we can attest the, uh, the, the writing and other projects is, is also good. Uh, the artwork is amazing in this and you'll see it shine in other projects as well. So um, go do that. And then just read the history. I mean, go pick up. We've been telling you time and time again through the through each and every episode. If you don't know this, check it out. Go watch a documentary. Go pick up a book. Um, go, go find that information. Uh, do yourself the favor. Do yourself the service. And, you know, get educated. Because you you need this information. This is good stuff. Yeah, it's pretty outstanding. So pretty excited to, um, of course, you know, we're not biased or anything, but we like it when Northwest authors get a try. So Mark Russell's <laughs> also from the Northwest. So great to see him get a try out there and uh, excited to read more. Yeah, definitely. And if you if you if you happen to go to a comic convention in the in the future and, and you happen upon any of these team members find them. And if you've read this, tell them, 
tell them you like it if you liked it or ask them questions <laughs> yeah i mean greg i feel like you're dying to go to a comic convention to talk to people again oh dan you don't even know <laughs> i i i looked at my i looked at my my day job pto and i'm like it's all stacked up for what so i mean <laughs> thankfully i have other things to 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 um uh take up that time but uh it's it's definitely one of those things that it's like i i usually don't take vacations or other stuff because i'm always using that time for quote-unquote work (laughs) other work comic book stuff and uh, going to conventions and stuff and it's just like oh okay well i i've been saving it for what all year (laughs) yeah (laughs) well the before times will come back someday greg Someday, uh, I'm looking forward to the, the the new slew of online events and activities that that people have been putting together. So, if uh, if you are our amazing listener listeners, I say listener, <laughs> uh, if if you're if you're uh, checking those things out as well, please uh, drop us a line. Tell us which ones you're checking out. That way, we can check them out ourselves and uh, maybe go and. Uh, see what all the hubbub is about because Dan and I are, are we frequented many shows together uh, here in the Northwest and uh, we probably have a little itch for an online uh, show. I'm speaking for both of us, Dan, but I, I know that uh, I, I, I would imagine that some of these things as they, as they start to uh, roll out for this new season, um, are probably out there. So if you're listening and you, you know of one, um, the great thing is, is that because we're all in our homes and online right now, we can sample things from all over the country, all over the world. So, um, it'd be cool to see creators in other places that we might not get to, uh, physically in the normal times. But, uh, right now we can check them out online. Yep. So let us know. (laughs) Yep. Not that we're starved to be around people, but we kind of are because, you know, like all of you are. But, yep, uh, especially I know, Greg, you're not a complete extrovert, but I know you miss talking to the fans about your books and everything. And I am definitely not an extrovert, but I miss talking to creators and digging through all the stacks of comics. So, yeah, you know, the before times will come back someday. But for now, everybody be safe and uh Thank you for listening to another episode of Funny Book Forensics.